we're going to go straight into our interview with Pastor Greg Locke. Pastor Locke, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the Box 2 Radio Network. Uh, we've been looking forward to this interview and um, being able to chat with you for a while this morning. Um, we've been following everything that's been going on with deliverance and all that God's been doing in and through you guys, and we praise God for that. And so tell us a little bit how you got, how the Lord led you into this area of deliverance. Well, I'm definitely the most least likely candidate for the job <laughs> because, you know, I was, you know, I'm not against Baptists. I still preach in a lot of Baptist churches, but I was super, super capital B Baptist, and I was a cessationist amongst all of them. I didn't believe in any of the gifts. You know, no miracles, no tongues, no healing, certainly no deliverance. I jokingly tell people that, you know, to me, deliverance was like a 1970s Burt Reynolds movie. I had no idea what deliverance from demons was. And so the Lord put us on a journey. Uh, really, it started with me preaching verse by verse, expositionally, as I've done for 31 years. You know, so preaching mm-hmm. the Bible kind of ruined me, because when I got into preaching on the gifts in First Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians, I'm like, my goodness, I've kind of been lied to, because they haven't ceased. They really are still in great effect, and the Holy Spirit is still working out the book of Acts right before our very eyes. And so the Holy Spirit began to do things in our church that, number one, I couldn't avoid or explain, and number two, it embarrassed me because I had preached against it for so many years, really for so many decades. And so once the Lord started healing people without my permission, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden demons started manifesting, and I was embarrassed because I didn't know what to do. And I would talk about, oh, we've got power, we've got authority. But it wasn't until I really put my nose to the grindstone of God's Word, and I said, okay, what authority do we really have? How powerful is the name of Jesus? And when I recognized that truth, bam, the light bulb came on, and now, you know, the rest is history, really. Mm -hmm. What was the... What was the transition like for you going from cessationalist to a continuous more? Like, along those, was it difficult? Like, did you lose friends in the process, denominationally? I did. I, I did lose friends. Uh, the the thing I think that made it a little easier is I was an evangelist for almost 11 years before I started uh, Global Vision uh, 17 years ago. Matter of fact, 17 years ago this past Sunday. And so wow. I've been doing it for a long time, but we started as a Baptist church. In 2006, it's really all I knew. And then we, we, all we did was change the name. We didn't even change our traditions. We didn't change theologically. We didn't even really go full-blown contemporary for even several more years after this. But in 2012, we dropped Baptist and went with Bible. And doing that, I lost a rump load of friends. I mean, just friends galore, lost meetings. And so I'd already seen the politics. I'd already seen the handwriting on the wall. So by the time we made a full transition, I really didn't care what anybody thought at that moment. So 2017 is when I started turning the curve from cessationism. Mm-hmm. And then 2020, I was really rocking it pretty hard, you know, preaching on the gifts. We were seeing things. And then in 2021, when that little girl manifested a demon in our baptistry mm-hmm. and we didn't know what to do, that was just, that, that was wheeled up at that moment. And so we just, we just hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah. Well, we do have some other guests in here um, that you may hear their voice interject conversation or question. Mm-hmm. So um, so let's go into now, like you started into the deliverance, and I know we have a lot of listeners listening. Um, I appreciate and honor you so much for that movie um, that, that come out, come out in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. And one thing that I've really appreciated is just seeing how 
faithful you've been to Scripture in the deliverance movement? Because there's a lot of times people in deliverance movements, I notice, they really take their liberty with some exegesis and some texts. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate that you've tried to operate in integrity on the, the texts. Absolutely. And I think that's what surprised people, especially the religious crowd, about the movie. Is because the movie wasn't really about, oh, let's show people throwing up and you know flying through the air and talk about demons the whole time. The movie made deliverance theological, if yeah. that makes sense. And that's what I wanted. I, I want people to understand this is a biblical... New Testament concept, and people have made it hokey, and people have made it about shares and clicks on YouTube, and I've told many of my friends, and I've said it right from our stage, look, get cameras out of people's faces every time you're casting demons out. This is not about the fantastical. This is about setting people free the way Jesus did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, honestly, when I first got into the deliverance, like, somebody sent me a video of it. And I guess I've already, I've always done, I grew up Pentecostal, so it was like, you know, you were casting devils out of people when you were in diapers. So that's just how it was. (laughs) (laughs) It was normal. But when somebody said, hey, there's a deliverance movement going on, sent me a video. The first video was somebody who was chasing somebody around the sanctuary with a mic in their face. And then they popped their hands and a poof cloud like the old Batman series popped out. And I was just like, what in the world is this? And, yeah. there, there, and I'll be honest with you. There was a lot of hesitancy in me towards that movement until I saw the movie. And I saw how yeah. faithful you were to the text. And I was like, I honor that. Amen. Amen. Well, we, we have to make it a, a theological concept because, again, it is the hokiness that keeps people away from it. And so I've... I've tried, and here's what's interesting, I'm nothing special. You know, again, God used the least likely Saul to Paul experience for me to be in this, but I think here's the reason why it works, because I was so baptistic, and I was so wrapped up theologically, and so when I came out of that, and I was, you know, really, for lack of better terminology, baptized into the more charismatic world, what happened was I was from a side, if you will, of the denominational spectrum that was all truth, no spirit. Mm. I moved into Mm. a denominational vein where it was too much spirit, not enough truth. Mm. So what happened is when a guy with a balance of spirit and truth shows up on the scene, all of a sudden I, I become the bad guy for a lot of people and the hero for a lot of people because I'm able to take the spirit concept and make it theological so it's not too emotional, but it's not too pharisaical either. Does that make sense? Very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, you're right on it with that. And I think sometimes we try to have one without the other, but yeah. Jesus was perfect grace and truth. He was spirit Amen. and truth. He had truth. He had spirit. And I think we as the body of Christ, if we are, if we are all about the spirit and absent of truth, then we will fall into things like witchcraft. We will fall. We will yep. be deceived. We'll be a Joseph Smith and an angel visits in the middle of the night. And yep, now we've yep. wrote four different scriptures. And so yep. that's when we're spirit without truth. But then when you're spirit yep. without, you know, when you're truth without spirit, then we have a form of godliness but have no power. That's exactly right. And what's happening with a lot of these guys is because they're not, you know, using the word of God as their guardrails. Mm-hmm. They're getting involved in deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. But the problem is, some of these guys are becoming nothing more than voodoo witch doctors yeah. because they operate in a spirit of divination because there's no Holy Ghost leading them whatsoever, and they're just operating in witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I and you're seeing it. And you're seeing a lot of those people 
being exposed right now because the Lord will not tolerate that in his house. Amen. You, Amen. Greg, this is Jacob. That, do you yeah. think that um, that when people were, some of them that started off maybe had a maybe a, a pure heart about it and they just kind of yeah. got prideful in it thinking it was them? I mean, do you see Oh, that? a thousand percent. Yeah, okay. I, I see that with, with a lot of folks because what, what happens is we can equate authority with arrogance. And so all of a sudden we're like, oh, demons bow before me. I can cast out demons. But the problem is demons aren't afraid of your arrogance. They're afraid of your authority. And your authority comes from Jesus. And so when you shift that and you start operating in the flesh, those demons will call you out. And so a lot of people, they're selling out to the money. They're selling out to the movies, the books, the fame. And it shows. And so eventually they really don't have power and authority and influence over the demonic. They have power, authority, and influence over Christians who don't read their Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's almost like the Lord put a parable in the story. I mean, actually not a parable, a story in the Bible about that with 70 coming out and saying, hey, yep. the spirits are subject. No, 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 don't you rejoice on that. You rejoice that your yep. name's written in heaven. Amen. And so I love that. I love that. Well, let's get into, like, maybe a churches um, that are just now getting the deliverance. Maybe eyes are opening, hearts are opening up. Um, things are manifesting, the glory of God's coming, and now demons are popping their head, and everybody's like, what do we do now? And, yeah. you know, what is, where does a church start with deliverance? Well, I, I think the, the starting point sometimes can be the most difficult because you have to be able to, to get past the dignity of it, right? So we're not in deliverance ministry for dignity. We're in it for deliverance because mm-hmm. sometimes people act undignified. So what I do is I tell pastors, like, they'll come to us. We have so many, you know, like, skeptical pastors that come. <laughs> but then something will happen, like in one of our delivered services with their wife or even with them or with one of their kids, and they're like, well, holy smokes, how do I put this back in the box? You know, what, what do I do now? <laughs> so what I do, <laughs> I pray for these guys a very strange prayer, and we watch it happen all the time. So I, I'll lay hands on them, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to pray for you, and here's my prayer. Holy Spirit, when they go home this Sunday... I want you to allow a demon to manifest right in the middle of their service and absolutely embarrass them so that they are forced to go to the Word of God and say, okay, this is either the ministry of Jesus or it's not. And what happens is they go home and demons start getting stirred up in their churches. You know, their their pianist starts screaming or somebody in the choir falls down and starts slithering like a serpent. And then they're like, oh, dear God, what do I do now, right? And so sometimes, like me, you have to be forced into it. And so I think church people are less apprehensive than church leadership, right? And so pastors need to break the mold and be like, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our churches. Because I don't know one church on the planet that has, you know, 60-minute church services that really has the power of the Holy Spirit or revival right now. You know, we go to church to see how quick we can get out. That's nonsense. When healing and deliverance, and baptism of the Holy Spirit begins to flow and begins to happen, God don't care about your 59-minute church service, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, He wants to show up, show out, and do amazing things. Mm -hmm. But we have this church mentality. we got to herd them in like cattle. we got to go 60 minutes, get that crowd out, get the next crowd in, get that crowd out. And, And we think the more church services we have, the more spiritual we are. Whereas I think, why don't you just cram them all in one building, thin out the herd, and just let the service go for about five hours and see who sticks around. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we just got this, this weird church growth mentality. And so I think churches want to be involved, 
in deliverance. But the pastor, the deacons, the elders, whoever they are, they're going to have to throw their hands up and say, okay, Lord, we're going to allow this to happen even though it may embarrass us. And the thing I hate more than anything, and I get on preachers all the time, is they, they tell me things like this. Well, you know, we believe in deliverance ministry. We just don't practice it. Well, that's because you don't believe in it, right? You believe in offerings, so you take up offerings. You believe in, you know, music, so you sing music. You believe in preaching, so you preach. So don't say you believe in deliverance, but you don't practice deliverance. That's nonsense. Because the only parts of the Bible that we really believe are the parts of the Bible that we really behave, right? Mm -hmm. James one we're doers of the Word, not hearers only. So pastors are going to have to recognize the fact that they can preach on Jesus turning water to wine all they want to. That's cute. It's a great miracle. But he only did it once, right? He only walked on the water twice. He only raised the dead three times. One of them was himself. And so he only healed deaf ears a couple of times. He cast out demons every day in every town. And Mark 1 says, in every synagogue throughout the land of Galilee. So it's the number one thing Jesus did, but it's the last thing that the church wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, a lot of it, too, I think, with church leadership and the reason they're so out of it sometimes is the church culture is competitive. And we yeah. we think of people as just another number, and we think of their number as a tithe check, and so I need them here. And if I do anything yep. that offends them, they'll go down the road because they offer a better children's ministry anyways. So if I do yep. deliverance, it's going to get uncomfortable, and they're going to leave. But at one point or another, you're right. Leaders got to say, am I here for the cloud or am I here for the crowd? And if you're here yeah. for the crowd, you're going to lose every single time. And you might as well just pack yep. it up and go home because you're hurting the body, not helping the body. And oh, 100%. So I, I feel like that. Like That's why a lot of leaders don't do deliverance is because they just don't want people to leave. Yeah. Hmm. And, and what's crazy is that people think, well, we do deliverance. And we start operating in healing and all that kind of stuff. People are going to leave. Well, here's the craziest thing. We have never had anything explode our church greater than deliverance ministry. You know, but we had 10 people get uncomfortable and leave, and we've ministered to hundreds of thousands since then, right? But they come to our church by the thousands because of deliverance ministry, and a few religious people got mad and went to some dead lukewarm church down the road. Okay, sayonara, whatever. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, we were kind of doing what uh, I guess where you started early because you started the deliverance um, in your movie. You talked about this too that you started teaching on it on a Wednesday night, correct? Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. And that's where we started. We started Wednesday night teaching on it, and at one time our Wednesday night there's about five of us coming, and then all of a sudden you've got. I mean, we've we've had the crowds really increased on Wednesday nights to hear the teaching of deliverance. The, Amen. Yeah. We have people come from other churches on Wednesday nights now because they just like, look, we're, we've always been interested in wanting to learn about this, but there's no church around here that will touch it. Yep. And yep. you are they don't right. Want to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Greg, this is Jacob again. Um, yep. I just got a quick question. Uh, you know, a lot of times when you talk to a lot of ministers, in different churches, the reason I hear a lot, why they don't want to touch it they're like well you better be careful you better you know you gotta know what you're dealing with you know it's just like everybody don't want to touch it because they're afraid of yeah you know what they well it might come on you i'm like that's the to me that's a that's a falseness that you that the enemy wants you to believe that so much that you don't even go after it because you're afraid it's like you're afraid of the demons like you're they're bound to these things 
Yeah, you know, people say all the time, well, you know, you don't want to talk too much about demons because if you talk about demons, it'll expose you to demons. And I tell people, that's a demon telling you that. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> that is, that's ridiculous because even, you know, you quoted a moment ago when, you know, in Luke and Matthew, when the 70 came back, right, he mm-hmm. said, don't rejoice in this. In that same passage, he also said, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. In the, in the context of casting out evil spirits, he said, it's not going to hurt you. It ain't going to jump out of one person and jump onto another. You know, people need to understand doors have to be open, yeah. right? That's why we close doors. That's why we renounce right. things. We repent. Yeah. You know, we submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. But the process is we have to submit and repent. We have to forgive people, and then the enemy flees. And so people have all of these misconceptions, and I did too. I had misguided theology, you know, don't talk about the devil. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about the devil, mm-hmm. has a lot to say about, you know, demons. And then, you know, there's so many debates. We could talk about this for, you know, days and hours, and I wrote a whole book on it, did a whole movie on it, right? I mean, it's my <laughs> life. It's where I live, and I meet this all the time, but people just, they come up with the most ridiculous arguments. For example, they say, well, you know, there's a bunch of times in the Gospels where, you know, the demonic activity is mentioned. Yeah, 268 verses in four books. That's a lot of gospel, right? And so then they're like, well, but then when you get in the Acts, it starts slowing down a little bit, and then you get in the Pauline epistles, and it even starts slowing down a little bit more. And so th- their, their logic is, you know, because God speaks about it less and less and less, it's not important. Well, there's two things about that. Number one, demonism was the assumed truth of the day. He didn't have to keep banging the drum because people knew that it was going on. They were full of witchcraft. Right? They, they, they understood that their culture was buff, wild, and demonized. Mm-hmm. But secondarily, why, why does that work with, with demons, but it doesn't work with something like uh, baptism, for example? The Gospels are full of the word baptism, baptism, but then you get an ax, it slows down a little bit. You get the Pauline epistle, it completely slows down, and Paul mentions it two times. And so do we not believe in baptism? No, it was the assumed truth of the day. Mm-hmm. Just because God lessens the amount of time he speaks about it, that does it make it any less important. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, if we could backtrack just a second, because I want to I get your yep. insight on this, because I'm, I'm thankful you said what you said about the jumping from one thing to another. I, I remember when we was watching the movie, uh, the sanctuary lights kept blinking mm-hmm. because we had a bad uh-huh. light switch. So everybody thought demons were in the lights, and I was like, hold on, guys, it's a bad light switch. So (laughs) we sometimes, you know, what you were saying, you can't just jump around. Um, But but what about the people, like we were talking earlier, who do begin to entertain demons and don't even understand it, don't even realize they're doing it because they're never exerting authority. They're just talking with them on a microphone for 30 minutes and nothing ever happens. What happens there? Yeah, and I think you got to be careful because then you're in the realm of necromancy, right? Then you're in the realm of trying to get information out of demons, right? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we can ask them questions because they, they have to submit to not just us, but the authority that is within us through the power of the name of Jesus and the blood. But some people fall into the, you know, the, the trap of trying to carry on long conversations with demonic spirits. That is not a good idea. <laughs> That's not a good idea. And so you get these, these deliverance ministers, they're, they're carrying on full-blown conversations with demons, Sometimes it's made up and nonsense, and you can tell. But, you know, I've talked to enough demons to know when it's real, and you can carry on a conversation with a demon. All that thing is doing is distracting you. It's trying to keep you from casting it out. And these people get on these videos, and they talk and talk and talk and talk to demons. I'm like, okay, listen, the Bible does not say that we are under their feet. The Bible says that they are under our feet. So you either have authority over them or you don't. 
And if you don't, and if all you want to do is sit around and talk to a demon to make it look and appear that you're spiritual, then put the mic down and give it to somebody that is there for the right reason. Because people that want to do deliverance for the right reason, they don't care about talking to demons. They want demons to leave so they can talk to the person. Because what people forget is deliverance is not about demons. It's about having compassion on the person that is Mm -hmm. demonized. And if you love that person, you will want to converse with them, not with the entity that is inhabiting them and tormenting them. And so people get it all twisted. Deliverance is not about demons. Deliverance is about power in the name of Jesus. And so I don't care if you know every name of every demon on the planet, which you never will because there's many of them. The only name that matters is the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, you bring up an interesting point there, though. Like, can you tell in your own personal life, like, getting the deliverance ministry like this has changed the way you have compassion and empathy for people? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely. Because even several times in the Gospels, you know, compassion and deliverance ministry are equated together. Mm -hmm. Right? Jesus, you know, Mark chapter 9, the Bible says that Jesus had compassion upon him, and the compassion was in relation to casting the demon out of the boy that was deaf and dumb. And so it's really made me understand that sometimes you got to be a little bit more patient with people because maybe they're not a knucklehead that just keeps struggling with pornography in their flesh. Maybe they're an individual that's been tormented by an open door, and that pornography is a prevailing principality and a strong man in their life. And if I really love them then I'm not just going to say, stop looking at porn. No, no, no. I'm going to do my best to deal with that spirit of lust that's Mm. causing them to do that. And so I think it's the highest level of compassion that we could have for people. Because if we really love people, why would we want them to be tormented and afflicted and have nightmares? Yeah, because Jesus deals with this quite a bit because he talks about the harvest is ready, just the laborers are not. And he actually tells them in one part, I think it may be in John, look up before you look out like get proper perspective first see the mm-hmm. see the harvest as god sees them because i remember one night at walmart i tell this story sometimes and you know i was sitting there and i was with my wife and kids and i saw a woman who was buying um liquid plumbing and so we knew what she was going to do because you could tell yep and so my 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 heart honestly said like oh my gosh what a waste like why yep. like you know my kids are like what's wrong with her and i was trying to tell them, i was trying to be nice about it but then as soon as i started opening my mouth the holy spirit arrested me <laughs> and he just arrested me right there in the middle of walmart and since that day i have been changed how i see people because yep. i there's more to it he says you don't know where she came from you don't know what's attached to her you don't know what she's going through and compassion on a whole nother level i believe it was a gift of the holy spirit that day like he just opened my eyes, and so for deliverance, that's why that's why I want to see anybody delivered. Not so my name can be known, but that his main his name may be known in their life, and they yeah, will be absolutely. set free. Absolutely, you know I mentioned it in the movie. Even you know I had a pastor tell me a while back, you know we have absolutely no power and authority to cast out demons, and so I said, look, buddy. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do when somebody in your church manifests a demon? You just leave them like that. You're just going to ignore it. It's right there in front of you. It's the elephant in the room. And you're just going to walk away? And then I looked at him, and I cried, and I said, look, I understand, because that's what I did for years. I just walked away from people, knowing what it was, but my baptistic brain and mindset would not allow me to make the spiritual connection to compassion. And I said, you can't just leave people like that. That, That's not a level of compassion. You can't be a pastor 
and know that people are afflicted. And what really caps my hide, amongst many things, is that every cessationist on the planet would agree with the statement that, they, of course, the devil can do supernatural works in our day. No, there's, there's no cessationist on the planet that would deny the power of the devil. So why then do we deny the power of the Holy Spirit? Why does the devil get to have all the fun, right? No, why is it that we know the devil does supernatural stuff, but, well, you know, we've got a King James Bible, and so God doesn't do supernatural stuff. That is hogwash. That's <laughs> nonsense. And what's even more nonsensical about it is you'll never meet a satanic cessationist. You'll never meet a witch that's a cessationist, mm. because all of them know there is power in the supernatural realm. Mm. I know they, uh, Greg, that they had uh, this new other movie that's trying to come out. Um, it's almost kind of like, I don't know if it's combating your movie or what, but I haven't seen it, but I, I don't think I can bring myself to watch it. Um, but that cessationist movie, I, I'm pretty sure you've heard about it. Oh, yeah, it's nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what better way of uh, uh, of going against an ex-cessationist uh, to, to bring out a movie? It almost feels like... They had to do it because of all these movies that are coming out that you know yep. the, the, your group has done, and we've really enjoyed them. Um, one thing I'd, I'd like to ask you, um, like Darren, we we did a deliverance night the night that we showed the movie, and um, it, it was eye opening for us. Uh, yeah, we wasn't really we were kind of like you. We were kind of not really ready. We were we went <laughs> through the book, and you know we just we did what you know we were trained to do. And it was kind of like, well, in most of our minds, we probably thought, well, you know, we're just going to do this, and then nobody's nearly going to manifest, and we're just going to go, yeah. well, it, it happened. And <laughs> we were all like, okay, let's do this. And but we were like, we need strategies. We really need, like, where to go forward. Like, we knew kind of what to do, but then there was times where, like, some of them just didn't. Like, it, it was like, some of them we was, like, there for an hour. So yeah, how how long like what? How do you when you go forward with something like a stubborn one, that, one that doesn't want to come out? How long do you do that before you say, okay, come back, or, and we're going to go through this again? Or how do, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean that is a great question because different people are you know susceptible to different you know lengths of demonization, whatever. Some, some people have had doors open longer, drug abuse sexual abuse, whatever it may be, divorce, whatever they're connected with, right? And so some people, it does take longer. I don't ever want to give people this idea that every single time you just say, come out in the name of Jesus, and boom, it's done. Because yeah. if you even watch the ministry of Jesus <clears throat> on several occasions, especially in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says, a couple of times, in fact, in that context, that the devils besought him much. Mm. Now, the Holy Spirit went out of his way to say that the devils besought him much. This was a lengthy conversation that these devils against Jesus were trying to project. So it's not like even Jesus cast them out immediately. They argued with him for a while. The Bible says in Acts 16, when Paul turned to that woman with divination spirit and said, come out, the Bible says, and the evil spirit came out the same hour, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So even in the ministry of Paul, it took at least an hour to get one of them out <laughs> that we know about, right? Mm -hmm. and if we take the Bible literally in, in that context. So it's, it's not always super quick. Some of them are very quick. Some of them are very lengthy. Now, again, what you want to, this just happened the other night. It's a great question. This just happened in, in Podunk, Pennsylvania the other night when I was preaching in a church. This girl manifested down front buck wild crazy. Well, a very seasoned 
for the most part, trained deliverance worker, a godly young lady was working with her and was really getting that girl some freedom. So she runs over to me and she said, Pastor Locke, the, the, the demon responded and said, there are too many of us. You'll never find us all. You'll never find us all. There's too many. We've been here too long, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, I'm discouraged. I, I don't know what to do. How, how in the world am I going to name all that? I said, you don't have to. I said, you walk over to that girl and you command what I call the gatekeeper. I said, you command the main demon. You call up the, the one that's holding the door open for the rest of them. And I said, you know what he'll do? He'll open the door and they'll all come out. She went over there, found out who the gatekeeper was. In 45 seconds, bam, it was done. Wow. Right? After all this time. Because what we do is we've been trained to call out everything in the world. No, 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 no. Find the one mm-hmm. that started the whole process. And when you find the strong man, what did Jesus say? You find the strong man, mm-hmm. you can spoil the house. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is great. Well, can I ask you one question, pastor to pastor? Because this is we have, we have a lot of pastors listening right now, and we have a lot of yeah. pastors listening in the morning. Like, how how has this changed you as a pastor? But also, how do you continue to pastor to all of the people, um, not just in deliverance? So, like. Has it changed the way you do Sunday mornings? Has it done, has it changed the way you do your Tuesday afternoons? Like, how do you continue to pastor in the balance of hospital visits and all these other things and sure. preaching and teaching? It, it 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 changed. Like I tell people, deliverance changed everything about my life, my my fathering, my my marriage, my my preaching, our church services, the length of our church services. But deliverance is what we do. It's not who we are. Yeah. It does not become the identity of who we are, right? Mm. And so, you know, we have deliverance services all the time. But even when we don't have them, it happens Mm -hmm. because the atmosphere has already been baked in, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so people come here looking for help. And everybody's like, well, why would somebody that's demonized come to your church for help? Well, the same reason when Jesus got off a boat, the Bible says the demonized man immediately found it. Because Mm -hmm. people that are demonized, they're only demonized in one or two areas of their life. Their whole life's not full of possession, right? What an unfortunate word that is. Their whole life's not completely overtaken by a demon. So when they can think straight, they want freedom. And so they come to us, right? And so it has changed everything about us. Now, granted... You know, we, we are a larger-sized church. We haven't always been that way, and I'm not for all large churches, right? But we're to a place now where what has happened is because our church is growing so exponentially and we are so large that really what I do is I pastor the leadership, right? I pastor the staff and the leadership, and they pastor the church because no one man can pastor that many people successfully, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had to get to a place where I realized if this church is built primarily on my personality, it is going to fall. Mm-hmm. And so I'm raising up people behind me that are able to do the work that I'm not able to do. Because less is more. The less I do, the more that I get done. Because I should only operate in the area of my giftedness. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest problems, and I, and I train a lot of pastors, even that's not deliverance-related, right? And I try to get pastors to understand, your church will applaud you to death, right? Meaning by that, that they will let you just keep doing it. If you do everything, they'll sit back, fold their arms, and they'll let you mow the grass. They'll let you do all the preaching, all the praying, all the prophesying, all the counseling. They'll let you paint every wall, unclog every bathroom stall, right? They will let you do all of that. That is not pastoring. Pastoring is raising up people 
to do the work of the ministry so you can feed the sheep to raise up the people to do the work of the ministry. And so deliverance has, has forced me to disciple people, disciple leaders. Because anybody that tells you deliverance is a one and done, they don't know anything about it. Deliverance is a part of a discipleship network, a discipleship process. Because not only do we want to take people through deliverance, we want to teach them biblically how to maintain their deliverance. Go home, cleanse your house, you know, have a burning in the backyard of that witchcraft, don't reopen those doors, make sure you forgive people. It's a process. It's like peeling an onion for some people. And so it really has changed the day-to-day and the overall of our service. The, the biggest way it changed it was when Deliverance first broke out. I didn't know about, I knew a little bit about Derek Prince. I didn't know about Win Worley and all these guys in the past. I didn't know about mass deliverance. I didn't know what that was. Anything with the word mass in it, I thought was Catholic, right? And so I, I was against it. And so I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about a you know, group deliverance or a mass deliverance, but we were forced to move into that grace, right? Like the movie shows, because our services were going. You know, normally we would go from, when we first started, we'd be at 10.30 in the morning. You know, we'd be up maybe 12 o'clock, 12.30. We were done. Well, when Deliverance broke out, our services were going from 10.30 in the morning to a 3 a.m. Monday morning with no break. I mean, hours and hours and hours. And then on Monday, 150 people had slept in the parking lot Sunday night just to be first in line to get into the office Monday morning. It was, it was exhausting. We couldn't keep up with it. You know, Derek Prince said, if people find out you cast out demons, they'll find your home address at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they will. You will never want for a group of people to preach to if they find out that you work in deliverance ministry. Them jokers will find you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you get your share of deliverance junkies? It just seems like people, just that's all they think about. Do you, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People that are just... People that need deliverance from deliverance ministry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we don't, we, don't, we don't keep rehashing the same people through over and over again. I'm like, good grief, either get your deliverance or quit playing games, yeah, right? Sure. And so some people are just absolutely addicted to it. Yeah. That's why I told them, I said, I think sometimes people get so addicted to deliverance ministry sometimes that we get our focus off him because I said when he is yeah. high and lifted up, I said that's what we feel that emptiness. When you you got to fill that void, you got to fill that place yeah. with something I mean, something more than what you had. So you fill it yeah. with God, and that that house won't you, the enemy can't come in once it's full. Yeah, absolutely. If people will walk in holiness, which is like a forgotten subject in these days, if people walk in holiness and the fear of the Lord, they're not going to keep opening up those doors to witchcraft. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more you understand the importance of deliverance ministry. I've never been involved, I mean never, ever, ever, been involved in any local church, New Testament ministry that has made me want to walk in the fear of the Lord more than deliverance ministry. Mm. Because those demons, they know us. Those monitoring spirits, you know, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who in the wide world are you, right? We've had them look at our team Right, I mean, right out of the mouth of some kid. We've had them look right at our team and say things like, you can't cast me out. You don't even read your Bible, you hypocrite. Those demons will call you out, right? I mean, they'll look you right in the face and say, oh, you was looking at pornography last night. Now you're going to talk about being spiritual. I mean, they'll call you out. They know, right? And I've never had anything that made me want to walk in holiness more than deliverance ministry. Because here's what's interesting. My goodness, y'all get me so stirred up, I can't talk. (laughs) Here's what's interesting. In Mark chapter 9, Remember Jesus said to the disciples in verse 29, this kind, and he's talking about the demon in that context, this kind does not come out but by prayer and fasting. 
Now, here's what's interesting. When we first started the deliverance ministry, we would tell people, okay, when you're coming for deliverance, we want you to fast for 24 hours. We want you to fast for 48 hours. Now, that's cute, and it works. Jesus did not tell the person going through deliverance that fasting was important. Mm -hmm. He told the deliverance workers that they could not cast out the demon because to them fasting was not important. And so it's not the person that's receiving deliverance that needs the power. It's the person ministering the deliverance that has a lack of power. And It's kind of like I was talking to my brother over here, uh, Joe, that's on the left side of me, but uh, we were talking about it's just something that hit my heart. I said, so many people are walking around without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I yeah. said, if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, how are we doing these things for God? You know, yeah. I mean, we're walking around. Yeah, we have a, we can have some great teaching or we can have some great um, words that we know. But if you're not empowered with the Holy Spirit, these things are you're just going to make a mess of stuff. Oh, you're going to make an absolute mess. Because there's only two kingdoms, right? Jesus is very plain. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of righteousness, and there's the kingdom of darkness. So here's the deal. If we're busy building our kingdom, then there's only one kingdom we're building. And it's not the kingdom of righteousness. Mm -hmm. It's the kingdom of darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now let's go to, like, while we're on this subject right here, like, let's push a little farther on these moments in people's life that praying for deliverance and praying for that, but maybe there's unforgiveness in their heart. Maybe there's a letting go that needs to happen. How do we know the difference between letting go and then come out? Well, I, I personally think, and it's what's different, I think, about the book, Cast It Out, that I just put out, you know, The Call to Set People mm-hmm. Free, is I put a whole chapter in there on forgiveness. Because, you know, you can make a demon mad, right? I can walk into Waffle House and make a demon mad, Walmart, IHOP, or church. It don't have to be in a service, right? And, and demons, when you exert authority, according to Mark chapter number one, they might just scream out in a church service like they did, you know, in Jesus' day in the synagogue. So even when a demon is mad and wants to leave, I tell people a demon will never cross the barrier and the boundary of your unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness provides a contract, an agreement mm-hmm. with that spirit. And if you do not forgive, I, I tell people, look, when you forgive somebody, a lot of times that's where either your full-blown deliverance or at least the process that begins your deliverance happens, because there is no full deliverance unless you are willing to let go of the things and the people that hurt you. And I tell folks, look, you don't forgive others because what they did was right. You forgive people so you can be right, mm-hmm. because forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Mm-hmm. And even Jesus said, it's interesting we come up with this question, because I, I just talked about this this morning in our 6 a.m. men's Bible study, you know, in Matthew chapter 18, you know, there's the whole parable of forgiveness, and Jesus said that if you from your heart do not forgive, what did he do to that man in the parable? The Bible says he was turned over to the tormentors. And I believe a lot of Christians are tormented by evil spirits of unforgiveness and bitterness because they, they are unwilling to forgive that father that left them. Mm-hmm. So here's what happens. Here's how practical deliverance ministry is. It's the children's bread, right? Here's how practical. If you are not willing to forgive a dad that walked out on you, you just gave a covenantal right to the spirit of rejection and abandonment to ruin your life. If you will not forgive the sibling that molested you and shamed you, then you are giving an agreement and a covenantal right to a spirit of molestation to just absolutely warp your mind for the rest of your life. And so people don't understand how that works, and it all begins with forgiveness or the lack thereof. It's why we always start with forgiveness 
on the front end. Because if I can't get you to forgive your ex, if I can't get you to forgive, you know, your current spouse, if I can't get you to forgive your whoever, even yourself, then we can go no further. Because you've already witched yourself, right? You, you already got a spirit of sorcery on yourself because you're limiting God by not forgiving other people. And so I have people every day, everywhere I go, in this church and in every other church I go to, they're like, you know what? I know what you said true. I'm stirred up. I'm manifested. I'm flared up, but I'm not ready to forgive. Mm-hmm. And a person that's not ready to forgive is not ready for deliverance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably a lot, like you said. I mean, it's people that's burning and hungry and stirred, but yet yeah. there's so much hurt. And a lot of times they've been told stuff like, well, they deserve the unforgiveness. How dare they do this? And and yeah. we, we forget the beauty of the grace of God and the goodness Amen. of God and the gospel of Jesus and how good he really was. And so, because um, you can't, there's a lot of times I've noticed that you can't really have a come out until you first have a let go. And yep, 100%. Greg, well, we are, we're in the process of uh, doing another night that we wanted to, to do the deliverance. Um, is there mm-hmm. any advice that, because we all have been kind of learning. It was a yep. surprise to us the night when we did it. So we've all been really diving deep, probably for the last year, um, even before your movie came out. You know, um, we've been really diving deep into this for probably almost a year now. Um, yep. What was your, what kind of advice could you give us and moving forward on some, you know, just making sure like their team's ready? Because I think sure, the sure. night, the night we did it, there was just so many people and everybody was doing something different. And Aaron. Uh, he kind of, you know, we need one person doing this. Is this how you all go forward with doing this? Yeah, we, you know, we just don't let anybody really need to lay hands on folks, you know, and so we do have a trained team. But when we started, it was me and my wife, you know, we were like taking a coffee break, reading a John Eckhart manual, trying to cast demons out on the fly, right? And so, you know, you, you learn, but you don't want to over-process it, right? You don't want to make things so difficult and, and so hard that you have all these hoops that you have to jump through. No, demons are demons, and the name of Jesus is the name of Jesus. But you do want to be able to raise up a group of people that want to live holy, that are willing to you know, fast and pray and say, look, let's just go for it. Because once it happens, you have to just go for it. It's not mm-hmm. like you can just stop it right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, a couple of things that we do, you know, one of the things we do is, is every year, you know, the, the deliverance conference is one thing, but it's a conference. I mean, so many thousands, of, we had almost 8,000 people show up. You, you, it's hard to train that many people, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of times a year, my wife and I will bring preachers in, or, or leadership, and we pay for the food. We don't, you know, it's no charge, and we just bring in, and we cap it at like 150, and, and and we just have an intimate 48 hours where we just pour into leadership and say, look, here's how we figured it out. Here's the stupid mistakes we made that you don't need to make, <laughs> and here's how you move forward. And so we do that. Also, uh, I mean, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff. I, I stay super busy, but really, I know you guys now, you know me, just let me know when or what you're looking at, and let's clear a time. I'll come do a mass deliverance for you. I don't charge anything. I just show up, right? I'll, I'll come help your team, right? I'll come spend a few hours with them, and then we'll just, I'll help you do the mass deliverance, right? I mean, I, that's what I do. I, I want to equip the body of Christ to cast demons out. Amen. And so, you know, give me a cup of coffee. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can handle the coffee. Uh, but now, the, what I was talking about with the one, though, and I, I've always... Again, I grew up Pentecostal, so I'm not Pentecostal no more. I'm just I love Jesus. That's all I tell people now. Yeah, I'm, amen. I'm, I'm not anything. I'm just I just love Jesus. But you know, there was a lot of hoopla 
around it. And yep. there's a lot of showmanship like you talked earlier. But I do believe when deliverance is being done, one person needs to be leading the charge. Like you don't need six yeah. people screaming in the ears. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we made our team quit doing all that. kind Because of, what happens is, I mean, because deliverance is an adrenaline rush sometimes, right? It is. People like, oh, scream, scream, scream. No, 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 no. Demons can hear. They can hear just fine. As a matter of fact, a deaf spirit heard Jesus, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. even a deaf spirit knows what the name of Jesus is. You don't have to scream at them. That's good. And I tell people, look, I don't have to scream at them on a microphone. Take authority yourself. When yeah. we teach people that they are the dispatchers of God's glory and the authority they have, I tell them, look, demons know you have authority. They just hope you don't know you have authority. But when you figure it out, you can do self-deliverance. You don't have to have me. Right? You don't have to have some hocus-pocus man doing it. And so, but you're exactly right. People can get out of order quick. And what we do with our team is we will shut it down in front of everybody. I'm like, absolutely not. You know, yeah, I know, you know, we've had people pick up groups of people and throw them. We've had people levitate off the floor. We've had wild stuff happening. But I remind them, when you are holding somebody to the floor... You are not hurting a demon. You are bruising somebody that's going to feel that tomorrow. Yep. Love the person enough yeah. not to beat the stew out of them while you cast a demon out of them. Okay? Take authority over the demon, but respect the person because they're the one that's going to feel this. Quit screaming in their face. Quit pinning them to the floor. You ain't got to do all that kind of stuff. right? And so there have been people that have an aversion, and rightly so, to deliverance ministry because it ends up looking like a UFC smackdown to the mat. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it for sure. And um, honestly, like Smith Wigglesworth, who did a lot of had a lot of miracles in his life, I probably oh, would yeah. never drop kicked a baby against the wall. But yeah, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> you better know the Holy Ghost told you to do that. Exactly. <laughs> well, we um, we have a few more minutes here, and we do honor you. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're absolutely. a busy guy, and um, we'll definitely be in touch on that coming up and doing like a night of deliverance yeah. i think that would be phenomenal for our area but if on the for the last 10 minutes or so that we do have here what would you say to pastors right now that are sitting here going okay i feel it but if i say this in my church they're going to go like how do they start addressing this in the church especially maybe they're cessationalists just coming out of it and their church is a cessationalist church like what do they do from here how do you get people to realize the importance of deliverance well, I, I think they can, for lack of better terminology, mask it or masquerade it a different way and just really start preaching on it without having to call it deliverance ministry. Just get in the Bible and start showing people, mm-hmm. you know, systematically, expositionally, how many times he cast. Just start preaching on it, and here's what happens. You start exposing the devil, he'll start publicly exposing himself. It'll mm-hmm. happen a thousand percent of the time. There's no way around it. Because, you see... A man in Mark chapter 1, right, was sitting in a synagogue. Sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, he was just visiting to hear Jesus. No, the same man sat in the same boring synagogue and heard the same Mosaic law week after week after week. But when Jesus came in, the Bible says he preached to them with authority, and the demon began to scream out. So here's the problem. People in our churches are demonized, but religion will not expose a demon authority and the gospel yes. will expose a demon. And so if you'll start preaching on it, they'll start revealing themselves. And once that happens, you don't have to teach. The demons will teach your church about deliverance ministry. <laughs> because mm-hmm. once they start manifesting, you have a choice. You can deal with them biblically, or you can just let people be demonized and remain you know, in bondage 
in your church, mm-hmm. but you can't do both. You'll have to make a choice. And so eventually the choice, and I know this will be hard for some pastors to hear, but I was there. Eventually, here's the choice you will have to make in your church. It's very simple. Deliverance or disobedience. That's it. Deliverance or disobedience. There's no other way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I also tell people, you know, when we're doing this, I said, we need the spirit of discernment. We need to pray that we have yes. the discernment like we've never had before. And I said, especially in these last days, I said, because I just, that's something that's always stuck with me is we need to discern things, guys. We need to discern yeah. when it's, when we, hey, we, this, this, this thing's, these people are not going to let this thing go. You know, let's, let's right. move on to the next one. You know, we, we can't stay here forever. There's other people that need this. Um, so I, 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 how much have you, have you felt like the sermon has been so important in the deliverance ministry? Well, I think it's really the most overlooked key, and here's why. <clears throat> All of us have a, of the authority to cast out demons, right? I get that. Mark chapter number 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. First one of the five in my name, they shall cast out devils. So all of us can do it. But we have to be honest about the fact that some people have a high-end grace to do it. Some people are gifted to do it. So here's where discernment comes in. I never recognized the fact that one of the nine manifested works of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians is the discerning of spirits. Mm-hmm. Why would God make one of the New Testament gifts the discerning of spirits? Because some people will just stand up there and scream into a microphone about a thousand spirits, and that person won't get free. But if you have a discerning of spirits, you know what to call out through mm-hmm. a word of knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yes. And so mm-hmm. discernment is key. So all of us can do it, but some of us are graced to, mm-hmm. to do it as a gift, as a ministry. I remember that night when we were calling out stuff. It was like we all had different, you know, things that we were trying to bring forward. Yeah. I remember it was almost like God would illuminate certain things to me when I was calling these yep. things forward. Absolutely. And it was like as soon as you would say it, it was like it just it was almost like a ton of bricks just hit people. Yes. And yep. I, I said that, that that's to me that's how discernment I feel like is key because you know what you're dealing with with more in this you know, yeah. particular area than maybe other areas. Well, if you don't have time to really like, you know, face-to-face personal deliverance, if you're doing more of a group setting, more of a mass deliverance, here, the basic progression that I always use is I always deal with three things right up front. And I tell folks, this is all introduction. We can't even, we, we can't even get into deliverance until we deal with these three things. And so if you will first deal with the spirit of unforgiveness, okay. then deal with the spirit of witchcraft, then deal with the spirit of religion, if you will deal with those three spirits in that order, unforgiveness, witchcraft, and religion, because religion is nothing but man-made witchcraft, if you will deal with those three spirits, you will find that it will take away the blockage for everything else that you're about to call out. And the Bible really does talk about a lot of spirits that, that we're, like, ignorant of. People are like, well, you know, everything can't be a demon. No, but the Bible says there's a spirit of fear, there's a spirit of poverty, there's a spirit of lying, there's a spirit of heaviness. There's a lot of spirits in the Bible, mm-hmm. spirit of infirmity. Right, and so all we got to do do is use biblical terminology. So you start with those three things, and I'm telling you, you'll get them stirred up. And you'll notice in the movie that's the three things I started with: yeah. unforgiveness, witchcraft, and religion. And then movie theaters popped off like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, this is Hannah here, Greg. I know we yep. only have a few more minutes, but um, yep. I kind of just wanted to ask you what you do in certain situations like this. So we actually went to go see the Domino Revival movie with a few young people. Um, uh -huh. I'm, I'm in gen part of Generation Z, so I'm still pretty young, and I'm, we're new yep. into this, all the deliverance stuff. Um, but we went to go see this movie, and there was actually um, someone who kind of pursued us and wanted prayer. And the whole time it didn't really feel right but you know i we didn't want to ignore someone that needed to be set free so we went and we prayed right. with them and everything um but it was i could tell that she she was confessing these things that she had operated in like witchcraft but i could discern that she wasn't ready to truly let go of it and after we were done praying with her we realized that it was really more of a distraction so do, yeah. you, do you all deal with that um a lot where people are kind of like pursuing you and saying man of god or oh you all are so spiritual kind of like flattering to, and trying to take up your time so that you're not able to really minister to the people who need it Yes, and that discerning of spirits will help you kind of cut through that. I call it the uh, the BS, biblical stupidity, amen? <laughs> and uh, so you, you, you have to cut through that biblical stupidity because what we have is what you just got. But we get it on a mass level because of the influence of deliverance that, that the Lord allows us to flow in. We get witches galore that show up to our church, yeah. and all they are is a distraction. They're not ready to let go. They're there to keep people from deliverance not yeah. to flow in deliverance. And so you have to really recognize those people quickly. And, uh, you know, and some of them do want some freedom. And sometimes you can stir those people up that don't even want it, and you'll find out real quick what they're dealing with. But you're exactly right. Some people will just come just for the sake of tying up the conversation, tying up your time, and, and, and you just can't do it. You, you cannot. You have to have compassion on the people that need help. And I have zero tolerance for witchcraft whatsoever. Okay? Yeah. And, and, by the way, neither, neither did the Bible. <laughs> Matter yeah. of, people are like, we can't believe you threw witches out of your church. I was like, well, read the Bible. The Bible says don't even suffer a witch to live. <laughs> okay? At least I didn't say that. And so <laughs> God yeah. is against witchcraft a thousand percent. So I don't let these witches take over. Man, and I think I think also I could sense that the enemy wanted to discourage us because all of us that were praying were like, we're not getting anywhere with this lady. Like she, she's saying that she's let go of this stuff, but there's not she's not getting anywhere. And so I think the enemy was trying to discourage us young people, um, but also trying to bring pride because you know the woman kept saying, oh, well, where are you all from? You all are so spiritual and so yep. and so awesome that you guys are um, so young and already into this. And I could just sense the enemy trying yep. to like bring pride onto us and so that's a spirit of divination right there 100 yes, percent. that right. same spirit in acts chapter 16 because what happens is a spirit of divination will hijack someone who actually has a real gift of the prophetic mm -hmm. right because divination is unauthorized prophecy because it's coming from a wrong spirit yeah. and so what it will do is it'll beef you up try to make you feel real good about yourself because you remember that girl didn't lie she said, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. So what was that spirit of divination doing? Number one, it was being loud to bring attention to itself, but it was also saying, oh, you're so great, you're so wonderful. And Paul saw right through it, and he turned around, and he's like, come out of her, spirit of divination, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what that spirit will do. It will distract you using arrogance and pride and religious talk, and them witches are good at that. They love it. They love it. And some of them witches, this is crazy, but this is the fact, some witches will come to deliverance and allow you to cast a demon out of them because you know what happens? They're still witched, right? They're still a sorcerer. And what it allows them to do is have seven more come back and mm. fill their place 
and some witches go to deliverance services so they could be more powerful the next day. Wow. Mm-hmm. I never thought that. And that's no. something people don't think about. They, they do that because they know, oh, I'm going to get a demon cast out of me. But you know what? It's not like they're going to fill it back up with Jesus. They're not there for deliverance. They're there for more power. They're there for dominion. Yeah. Well, we got just maybe two minutes left. Um, tell us, for those who may not know, where they can find your the books, resources, maybe more teaching or talking on deliverance. Where can they go to? And my personal favorite that I, I've got it on my calendar. I'm going to watch it for sure. The debate, Flat Earth between Round Earth. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm with you. Let's go round, yeah. round all day long. I, I'm with you, Pastor Greg. Man. I'm about to use the Bible. I, I told the Lord this morning to pray, and I said, Lord, please help me not to have a spirit of sarcasm because I have so much Bible that you have taken out of context that I'm like, Lord, don't, don't let me be up there and be a sarcastic jerk because I want to laugh, but i, I got to be kind, right? Well, you'll <laughs> so have you'll have to, go to uh, Just go to PastorLock.com, L-O-C-K-E, or LockMedia.org, and they can find the books, you know, the new... And of course, you know, if they just get on Facebook and either look up Pastor Greg Locke or Global Vision Bible Church. We're the only one. They can watch the live stream. And, you know, all the books are on Amazon and, you know, it's in Walmart and Books a Million and all that as well. Well, could you pray for us as we're heading out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this broadcast. I pray that you would use it to every single person mm-hmm. that hears it. Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified. And, Lord, we do right now for any person hearing this, that is carrying a spirit of fear and a spirit of heaviness. Lord, we come against that attack, that nefarious plan. We break its power right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would set pastors free, set their mind and their heart, and ultimately because of that, their congregations free. May deliverance be known far and wide in this nation and around the world. Lord, do not allow us to get to a lukewarm place where we are so comfortable with what we believe and what we've been taught that we're not willing to be uncomfortable by what you taught. And so, Lord, make us uncomfortable. Get us to a place where we are forced to make a decision, to stand up and to walk in the God-given authority and the power of the Holy Ghost that you have given us. So thank you for these, my new friends. Honor them. Bless their ministries. Bless everything they put their hand to. And for every person listening to this right now, I pray that, Father, you would solidify in their heart that, yes, this is a biblical concept. This is a theological conversation, and Lord, force them today, not next week, force them today to start studying the Bible, to see the legitimate ministry of Jesus. And because of it, Lord, set people free, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you again, Pastor Greg, so much. You have a blessed day. Oh, thanks for having me. Let me know. I'll come there, and we'll we'll have us a time. All right. Sounds great. Thank you, sir. (laughs) All right. God God bless you. All right, what a rich hour that was, um, just rich, full of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge. And so um, just love that, um, love the conversation, love you guys. We're out of here for this morning. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network.